Hi, this is Carol Kaplan, host of My Life with David Cassidy. Today we continue with our interview with Chip Defa, author, playwright, and producer. And uh, as I mentioned in part one of Chip's interview, uh, Chip was the ghostwriter of David's autobiography, first published in 1994 under the name Come On, Get Happy, Fear and Loathing in the Partridge Family Bus. Um, In our last episode, Chip talked a lot about David's relationship with his family and some of the other struggles he had. Um, Tonight, we're picking up where we left off, and Chip goes into where David was happiest, Um, and I'll let him tell you that story. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you, um, if you don't know about it already, We have a corresponding Facebook page under the same name, My Life with David Cassidy, uh, where we invite you to come and let us know what you think about the episode and what you thought about um, what Chip or whoever the guest is, what what they talked about. So come on in and um, comment and let us know what you think. And also, um, don't forget to like the podcast, give us some stars, leave us a review. And as we do that, the more we can grow our audience. And I want to thank you um, for your listenership up to this point. The podcast has been doing extremely well, um, especially in Great Britain. And so I want to thank all of our fans over there. And um, to all of you around the world that I know are are tuning in to listen to My Life with David Cassidy. And right now, here is part two of our talk with Chip Defa. David loved his work, though. Sometimes uh, I remember checking in with him a couple years after the book came out, and he was working on an album of the, of the uh, uh, Old Dog, New Tricks album, I think it was. And, and he was so totally engrossed in making that album and, 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 and even if he claimed his life often wasn't happy he was getting some kind of satisfaction being totally you know totally caught up in the work and that and that and that and that I was glad for I was glad for that. I'll play that album later. I have that album here. I don't think it was ever a big seller, but he was proud of it. He was proud of his work he had done that was good. But those are the things sometimes but but he didn't have enough I mean, some people I know can find satisfaction in 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 in, in, um, in, in life, in just the small things of life, and, and he had trouble with some of that, you know. Had, yeah, because you know, I, I I'm listening to a lot of this, and I I think some people who might be a, a little more skeptical would say, look, here was a guy who was born to Broadway and Hollywood stars, um, you know, who um, made tons of money, was world famous, um, you know, got the star treatment, um, you know, had a residency in Las Vegas, um, had two healthy children. Um, What has he got to be so sad about? Oh, poor me. and so I wonder if that ever occurred to him that, like, did he even have a right 
to to feel so sad if one can it, say that it's beyond that he felt he had he felt he had physically lost the ability to experience happiness uh, the way most people could he felt he felt it was something uh, uh, and whether you have a right or don't have a right uh, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to be honest I, I know what you're getting at yeah and yet when we when we visited his little house where he, where he grew up in New Jersey um, it, it's easy to say his dad was a Broadway star the reality was he and his mom were living with their grand with his grandfather because it was a struggle for them, for the mom to live, uh, and there was the mother was always trying to get Jack to pay child support, which was not easy to get money out of Jack. They lived modestly. I mean, he was happy when he when he saw the little clothesline out back, and there were clothes on. He said, "That's the same, the same clothesline we had when I was a kid." And he was telling me about his neighborhood and showing me the house across the street and saying, "Those people raised chickens," and the ragman would come up here, and we went to all haunts but it was a very modest childhood it wasn't a hollywood star kind of childhood and 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 it was growing up as a kid called work working working by the neighborhood kids and and yet he says if looking back he felt he was happier i mean it, it, it I, I know what you're saying but i'm just telling you what what he told me many times that people yeah. can be skeptical on all kinds of levels i just know he was oddly nostalgic like like those were good times like like isn't that, isn't that kids. something yeah uh, and 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 worrying and if i said but on broadway and if i said yeah but you're making a lot of money right now you're in a broadway show you're making a lot of money and he'd say chip i'm just gonna lose it anyway and so when he went bankrupt again before he died it was like he expected that almost like like uh, like like uh, one of the first things he said to me which was really sad was he said to me, you might like me now, but when you get to know me better, you'll, you'll, you'll turn on me like everybody else, and you won't like me. He says, nothing stays, nobody really cares. I mean, it was that sort of thing. Like I, He says, like, I, I, I know, you know, when you know me better, you'll, 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 and, and I felt sad because um, if you believe that, um, do you know what I mean? It makes your life harder. I, I almost wonder if he had a depressive personality, like that he looked at everything instead of through rose-colored glasses, he looked at them through gray-colored glasses. Uh, do, do you think that he was depressed from time to time? I, I, I think... I, 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 don't, I don't know how to, what the right words are, but I know he, had, he struggled all the time with, with uh, like here he was on the top of the world with this Broadway show, or should have been, and, and to him it was like, I have a job to do. I'm going to get through the day. I'm going to do it. It's like if I took a picture of him speaking to the kids at, at the high school in the town where he grew up in West, West Orange, New Jersey High School, He's smiling with the kids, he's laughing with that. And yet, if they had seen him just sitting in the car with me 15 minutes earlier, he might have been grim. Do you know what I mean? And, well, and, he, uh, he was a performer. He knew who, how to turn it on. Exactly. Uh, 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 better, 
than anybody I've ever seen in, in the sense of, and, and he might not always, sometimes, and he wasn't just looking happy in front of them, he was looking um, like, like as if he was talking to the whole audience of all these high school kids as if he was flirting with the whole audience. I right. Mean, it was just a back and forth with them and answering their questions and, and laughing with them, kidding with them, and, 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 and so thrilled to get there. They get, they presented with a high school jersey, and they're, and he's making a big show, and it's such a nice thing you did. You gave him the jersey, you know, and I I wonder if he, if he threw it out when he got home, what he did with it. I don't know. Like, he wants... He wants like, um, like I looked at some scrapbook of his, and, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. This is, it captured, like, him at the peak. And he says, oh, you want it? You have it. And he gave it to me. He says, like, he says, like, he says, like I don't need it. I'll remember it. And, and it was like... Um, I mean, that, that, that would have made me speechless. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it was sort of the same kind of guy that... Um, I mean, at the at the low point of his life, he was he was like living on on a friend's couch. I mean, he wasn't even at that point he didn't even have a car. So when people say they're sleeping in the car, he was sleeping on a friend's couch. Um, I mean, people don't understand the hard times he went through. I mean, it's it's a it's 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 and and we. We toned down some of it for the book because he didn't want it to look like a pity party. But I mean, it was really uh, the, the highs and lows were were were, were, were very extreme. Chip, I, I, you know what? What I call it, I, I I think his life was Shakespearean. Yeah. With with the high uh, the highest of highs, and the lowest of lows, when you know he was one of the or the highest paid performer at a certain point in history right. and at other times penniless. Yeah. More than penniless. Eight hundred thousand dollars in debt. So you have to you have to earn that back before you can even be penniless. Right, right. <laughs> that's like that's like uh, 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 you know, um at that point, I mean, he said to me at that point, um, his youngest brother, who was maybe uh, many years younger than him, he says his youngest brother was just starting out his life. He says and his younger brother, who had nothing, was $800,000 ahead of him. That's right. the way he looked at it. Like, <laughs> right. You know, like, that kid's got money for a car. I, 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 I don't have a car. I don't have a house. I don't have... I, I'm sleeping on a, on a friend's couch. Do, do you mean, think the, Do you think that he was jealous in some ways of the lives that his brothers had? Because you know, you mentioned before about uh, that he was raised very modestly, and yet these kids grew up in a two-parent household for most of their uh, youth, um, and in a rather well-to-do uh, neighborhood in Hollywood. Um, so I'm wondering if if he was no 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 he didn't he didn't think like that because because he actually um, he remembered his childhood fondly I mean he he thought he had a good childhood I mean as contradictory as it sounds I mean so he wasn't like like if he had felt bad about his childhood but his childhood was still it, it, what he what you remember really is more the emotional tone than than 
than whether you had a lot. You know what I mean? That's that's he, true. He, he remembered it as he, were, he would show me like the woods of Eagle Rock Reservation. It was like a wooded, wooded parkland, and he'd say, "I remember just have, being happy running through these woods and climbing up to Eagle Rock." And and so uh, whether they had money or not, and they didn't have money, but uh, 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 but it was. I mean, and it, it was sort of ironic him telling me his mom had to fight his dad for child support. So when he was um, reluctant to pay child support for his for Katie, you know, I'm like, sort of, that sounds familiar. You know? Right. But 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 um, but it's it's a, I, I, they, he was happy he was happy with the TV movie they made about his life. But I thought they could have made a much better movie because there's so much drama in his life. Uh, uh, Honestly, I don't think you could really do his life service in a two-hour movie, personally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I have some people who still, I'll, I'll run into fans who still say, I don't believe he could have been unhappy at all. He was looking how popular he was, looking how busy he was, looking at those photographs. And he, he's like, he's like, you know, he says, he says, I mean, he posed for probably more photos in the few years when he was really, really hot that anybody at that time alive, they were constantly taking photos and they want to smile, see your dimple and all that. And he says, for him, I mean, that was just boring. He says, you're caked with makeup to cover up the acne, you know, and you're just have to smile and, and, and be like you. you know? But but he was good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. I, 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 I tell you, I even 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 um, even when we were he'd come down the stage door when he was on Broadway and Blood Brothers, and man, uh, the the fans were older, but they banter with him and they look at him and they look in their eyes, and I would tell him like the game, you could have had any of them. I mean, and he knew it. Do you know what I mean? He knew. <laughs> and he still had that. That when he wanted to, that that magnetism or whatever it was, that that um, you know, it, it, and I swear he could have said, "Come home with me," and they would have followed. I mean, that's <laughs> whatever that is. That's so, not. They don't teach you that in a in a school, you know. And, well, I, I'm I'm sure he got a few tips from watching Jack, you know, who yes, was yes. known oh, yes. as a real yes. charmer, as well. Yes. But but yes. Do, didn't any of that go to his head? over the years in, in interviews and so forth that where, where I've seen him crabby, but yeah. I've never seen him arrogant. Um, and, you know, and so if there was arrogance there in any way, he did a very good job at hiding it. I mean, did you ever get any sense of that? No, but I mean, I, I'm sure, and he would say himself that when, you know, when you're, when you're in a position when you think you have millions of dollars and millions of fans and everybody's asking you to do stuff, yeah, you can start 
believing like, geez, you must be, you know, pretty hot stuff. He says, but it was awfully humbling to suddenly wake up and nobody wants your phone calls. Nobody wants you for a, a guest shot on a TV show. Nobody wants you this. But the odd thing was, um, when he was talking about it, I was like, why did you marry so-and-so? And he said to me, he said to me, um, Everywhere I went, there were people who thought I was hot and good-looking there, attracted to me. He says, I think she was the only woman I met that had no interest in me at all. <laughs> and he pursued her because she was such a, a so standoffish. And he says, and then I married her and realized she really didn't have much interest in me. But it was like, um, uh, you know. It, I mean, it, it's, it seems for, for, for such a good-looking, successful um a sexy guy that um, he had his heart broken a couple times. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we in in listening to the uh, the Elliot Mintz tapes that were just released in December uh, of last year, December twenty nineteen. Um, you know, we hear him talking about this unnamed woman that he only refers to as Ms. Culver City. Um, but I think through, you know, by, by connecting the dots, uh, many fans have come to the conclusion that he was referring to Meredith Baxter, um, later known as but Meredith he, Baxter Bernie. He, he really, he really did care for her and the, the circumstances of his life, like, uh, prevented, he thought they could have, he thought they really had a connection, but there his life was so impossible that uh, he was not, uh, he couldn't really follow through on that. He got, there was a kidnapping threat on him. Uh, he was under pr- protection. I mean, I mean, more going on than I'd ever have room to, 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 to go through, but so that there was no time to be alone with her. Um, and then she finds somebody else. That did, that did, that did, um, that was somebody he really liked, yes. Yeah. And in his first wife, Kay Lenz, um, you know, we look at pictures of the two of them together in the early or mid seven. No, I guess it would have been the mid to late 70s that they were together. Um, and they look so cute together and they look happy and they looked like um, they were just really compatible. Um, and that must have been a heartbreak, too. I can't talk about that. Uh, he, he he wanted by choice to say very little publicly about those those marriages, so I, I, I respect that. Okay. I, I know he told me he never. I don't know how the mince tapes are coming out now. I don't know the background, but I know he during his lifetime he made sure they didn't come out because he did not he did not want them to be out. You're, say, you're saying that uh, that David never intended for the um, uh, Elliot no, Mintz I'm, interviews? I, I, what he told me years ago was uh, uh, that he never wanted those tapes to come out. I, mean, I had access to, I had them all transcribed and they were all written out and stuff like that and he owned that material at least that's the way he presented it to me and he, he got angry at, at even at the thought that Elliot might want to put them out. And he, 
he made sure, this was many years ago, he made sure that couldn't happen. He didn't want them coming out because he was speaking so freely on the understanding. I mean, this is what he told me, that um, that he would have control over what might become background information for a book or, or what would be left out. Uh, and that the idea was, I can speak freely because I will have control over whatever gets made public or not. And I don't know how that those things are, have come out since he, he died. I don't know. I, I do know that we, we mentioned that in, in, in Come On, Get Happy, that he was very angry that somebody uh, uh, was, was what he felt betraying confidence by trying to uh, get some of that material out. So I don't know. I, I don't know the. I don't know what happened on that. I don't know if if, if he had a change of heart or, or I don't know what happened. I, I I know that when he he made those tapes, he told me with the thought that the tapes themselves were not to be made public, but that only because um, he didn't care what he was saying, and he didn't care if he was saying it while he was drunk or sober. He was going to talk freely and get it all out. And I, I found them in, invaluable. He, he gave me all those transcripts um, to have as a check on his memory and, and, and to look at the things he put down. Um, but he didn't want them in their raw form coming out. So I, I don't know what about that. Sorry, I don't know. Um, so. Back, back to the future. I know we're we're jumping all over the sure, sure, sure. fifty years of history. Right. Um, I'm wondering what what David thought about all these Facebook fan groups because you know I I fell into this world sort of accidentally. Um, um, I really lost track of David um, until he sort of came back into the mainstream press um, with those DUI um, incidents in about 2014. Um, And I remember being so shocked at his mugshot. And I thought, oh my God, what happened to that man? Um, You know, he was so gorgeous. And then it wasn't just his appearance. It was that even his mannerisms were different. Right. His, his voice was different. It, 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 it's painful to watch some of that stuff, yes. Like, yes. Do, is it all alcohol? What, I mean, do, do, how do you explain I, I, I think, it? I think, I mean, alcohol is a big, a big, uh, a big factor. Um, I... I, I the last years were not good. I mean, the last years were, even before the DWIs, there were problems with him remembering lyrics in, at, at concerts and stuff. And I think it was all uh, the drinking catching up with him. Uh, the drinking had, um, um, you know, impaired him. I mean, because that, that seemed to be so upsetting to me yeah. for a guy that had right. this beautiful face and this beautiful right. voice and oh they God, were yeah. they were destroyed yeah yeah um by the drinking and did, was he aware of it 
was he aware of what he was doing to himself? Well, or did he care at that point? Alcoholism is a hard disease. It's part of the part of the the denial is, is sort of part of the package. Um, you know, it was easier for him to say publicly and to tell himself, um, "I'm slipping into dementia." Like he watched his mom get Alzheimer's, and he and and he was very. Uh, that was a charity he supported, like, you know, he's big on, on, on helping people with Alzheimer's. And, and it was easier for him to believe that that's what's happening to him, that I'm just getting a, uh, Alzheimer's like my mom, but it was really alcohol, um, the damage to the brain caused by all the, all, all the, all the drinking. But it's, 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 it's hard. Um, do you, do you remember the last time you talked to him? No, because it's, a. Uh, I would watch those interviews on TV, and then I, I would see, or something like that, and I would say it was almost too painful to watch. They did an interview with him when he'd come back from some concert, I forget where it was, and he his reactions were slowed. Mm-hmm. I mean, his responses to the to the interviewer, and, and I could see the, even if the issue wasn't being raised, I could see the, the the drinking problem in the, you know, it, it was it was there. It was take, I, I taking its watch, toll. I couldn't, I, I couldn't watch the last those last tape interviews with him. I, 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 oh, the I, the last I, session on A and E. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it, and it was just too painful for to me to watch because I mean the the deterioration. I want to remember somebody, you know, who was really at his best or trying to be his best or trying, you know what I mean? Winning winning the struggles, still struggling, but winning the struggles, you know? And there I saw a guy um, so lost it was painful to to watch that. It was just painful. It was just painful to see it. Um, uh, Because it even, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, you'd know it. You'd know it. You'd know the drinking problem was there, even if you, even if there was never was it an arrest for, for driving under the influence. But then, then he got to the point where he couldn't do a concert anymore because he couldn't remember enough to do the concert. I mean, that was to have to give up the thing that you do well. That's that's hard. Yeah. But he was he was going to come back to. Um, he was scheduled to make an appearance at BB Kings in New York, and I was going to go see him there. And then they had to give that up. He had to cancel the engagement because he just couldn't remember the the you know the lines to his songs, which he had sung for a million years. So that well, I, th- I think he finally did end up doing that show. I because I think I've seen it on YouTube. We're well, no, he was, he was he went to BB King's other times, but there was one more when he when he stopped performing. There were some dates they I could be wrong in this, but there were some dates they had to cancel. Um, what you saw on YouTube may have been an earlier BB King, but but I think when they when they announced he wasn't going to perform anymore, there was still an upcoming date that he, there were a bunch of upcoming dates that he just had to uh, cancel. They couldn't. 
they couldn't, uh, you know, they, they didn't want the risk of him falling off a stage or something like that, or people right. booing him. Um, even for any performer to have an audience uh, boo you or no longer love you, that's really painful too. And and when you can no longer give a good concert, you know. I, I don't think I don't think any of us want to remember David that way. No. Um, but but I'm wondering from your perspective, you know, you're the guy who really helped document his life. Um, what do you think his lasting legacy will be? Oh my God! I mean, I think the best you remember is that that guy that was the the teen idol, the pop star of, of those of those of the, the early seventies, the one that made these teeny boppers heartthrob. You know, I mean, I think I love you and, and and all that stuff, and 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 being, you know, I mean, he was huge at that point. You know, the the, the sixty thousand people screaming in the stadiums. I mean, all that that's that's just that doesn't happen every 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 year. It just doesn't. Uh, Nobody can believe, unless you were there. I mean, there were lunchboxes, there were towels, David Cassidy towels, David Cassidy lunchboxes, David Cassidy cutout dolls, David Cassidy, all kinds of merchandise that... Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that the young people of today can, can even conceptualize what he meant. Yeah. Um, because there's, there hasn't been anybody like him. I mean, right. I think that the closest anybody can come and they could say, oh, well, Justin Bieber is like the new David Cassidy. But I don't even think Justin Bieber comes close to the mania that surrounded David. I mean, I think part of it had to do with the media landscape that back in those days, there were basically three channels. Right. So you you had a much larger portion of the audience that was right. watching you and today you know you we, we have a thousand channels not to mention everything on the internet and social right. media um that it's probably hard to command that kind of an an audience um, yeah. i think that's one reason for it but but the other part of it is I have never seen you know maybe i'm biased but i've never seen anybody with his kind of charisma since. Yeah, he had something real that was connecting to those people. I mean, they couldn't, believe me, those magazines, when he started breaking through, all those magazine editors figured he's the same as uh, uh, Leaf Garrett and all these other people who'd be on the cover for a little while, but he wasn't. Those people got forgotten, and, and, and he's, he had, had a hold on the fans. I mean, the, there were sort of supposed teen idols that would be on a magazine cover for a few months and come and go. And, and they first thought he's going to be the same as all that, but he had something that uh, people responded to. I mean, that just the, the crazy, um, the crazy intensity of that, you know, the, 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 but I, 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 I laugh. I mean, I laugh. The, 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 even, even, uh, even as he got older, not at the very end, of course, but I mean, even as he got older, he could get out and he could connect with that audience. That's oh, why yeah. He, 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 when he broke, 
when he broke records at, in Las Vegas, and people were stunned be, in the industry because everyone thought of him as a has-been. Right. And, and, and yet, and he wasn't getting up there singing the Partridge Family songs. He was singing his own, putting together these elaborate shows and stuff like that and, and, and selling them out, um, which he had to give up eventually because he wanted to have some life for his family. But, but he had something to do that. I mean, just to... Just to um, you know, anyway, that's my, 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 uh, he would, he would, he, he would have a hard time trying to figure it out himself. He would have a hard time. He would, what would he say to me? He would say to me like, um, like my, you know, like my teachers in high school all thought I had no future, that I had no you know, I was the guy that screwed up, got bad grades, got got summer school, got into trouble. All of them thought I had no future. He said the perceptive guidance counselor would have been the one who said, but you're perfect. Lee fit to be a teen idol. You have the perfect face, body, personality. That's the job you should go for. You know, and, and he would laugh at it, but it was sort of true. You know what I yeah, mean? So, yep, so, yep. Uh, so. That's, that's interesting to hear. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you something that I'm still struggling with. And, you know, I, I my background is a, as a journalist and, you know, I was trained to be an unbiased reporter. Um, right. I'm not even pretending that in this podcast. I mean, I've, I, I've come out in the first episode and said, look, you know, I discovered David Cassidy when I was nine or 10 years old. Um, and, um, he captured my heart, um, at a very young age. Um, and it, you know, all those years went by and then I didn't know anything about him. And then when he died, I was just absolutely crushed and I, and I couldn't figure out why I was crushed. I mean, I don't know this person. I haven't seen him perform in 45 years. Why? why is this impacting me like this? And um, so, you know, that, that is sort of what led me to do this podcast. But the other thing that has bothered me is that um, I have not seen in the media or by his family um, the kind of acknowledgement of the meaning of David's passing and an acknowledgement of what he truly meant to a large portion of this country. Um, and, and not only to this country, to women around the world. Yeah. Um, and, and a few men thrown in here and there, but by, by and large, it was a female audience. Um, and, and I'm wondering you know, why that is. I mean, I know, okay, the media that can be very um, uh, flighty and, you know, maybe, okay, David Cassidy is, to them, maybe he's yesterday's news, um, but I don't understand it from his family. And I don't know if his children truly understand who their father was. Because I've never heard them speak about it. I don't think they've ever given an interview. My uh, my hunch, and this is just a hunch, is I mean, people want their, to live their own lives. They don't want to be just 
giving interviews. They could spend all their time giving interviews on him, and, and, and that's hard. But also, it happened before they were born. So they don't really know. They didn't experience it. Do you know what I mean? Their memories of, of, of David are are the guy you saw in those last videos, you know, and that's a different... Uh, they're, they're remembering a different David Cassidy than... than you know. All right. Well, then, what about what about his brothers? Like, why why was there no memorial service? And this is something that really sticks in the craw of a, many of his fans that they felt that David deserved something better. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea on that. I, I I absolutely have no idea. I mean, I I don't know. And at that point, you know, you. you I don't know. Is but, is Bo in control of his? Yeah, Bo is his heir. Bo is his heir, so Bo is the estate. Because he, um, yes, and um, but you have to remember at the end of his life. I mean, David's dying with medical bills and no income coming in, and he's declared bankruptcy, and and uh, at the time. He died. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure there's money around to be to be, uh, or people don't know what bills have to be paid. Whether there's money for a big memorial service or something like that. After you, after everything's settled, then you find out if there's pension funds coming in from your from your TV work and, and, and stuff like that. And, and those those things eventually come down to both. But at the time he died. Uh, you're talking about a guy who had declared bankruptcy, you know, so it's not... All right, well, well then, okay, so so, so that's the family, and so maybe they were concerned about the, the financial cost of throwing some kind of memorial, but what about the entertainment industry? What about Las yeah. Vegas or Broadway? Yeah. Was there yeah. any acknowledgement there? No, and that's... Uh, people have short memories, and, and uh, you know... It's it's sad. Like like David said, as soon as his TV series was off the air, he couldn't get those people to return a phone call. You know, um, the, the people he had, some of the people that he had worked for, they just wrote him off as yesterday's news. It's just uh, a I I mean of, he, of, of the business. He, he, I I just find it remarkable that th there is this huge audience. Um, that that is basically underground. They, I mean, they yeah. they they live on social media, that are trying to grasp every last piece of information about his life, um, because they feel that the establishment has not done its done its duty um, where, where David was concerned. And I don't know. I mean. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know too many other entertainers that have as much of a devoted fan base as David did. Still. Well, he, he, I was, I know when we worked on Come On, Get Happy, and he, I would show him the little chapters as we're going along, and, and, and he'd review them, and he'd say, oh, this is going to be a bestseller, this is going to be a hit. And I'd be like, David, you know, maybe in 1971 it would have been, but nobody knows you anymore. And he'd say, no, 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 it's going to be hit. And the book became a bestseller. And, and he uh, knew. Was, yes, and I was like, those fans are there. And yes. I, how, I, and how, how come I, 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 I was stunned. I was stunned. And he says, it'll become a TV movie. And I'm like, David, 
20 years ago it might have, but it became a TV movie. And it got him, they did this special on VH1 and another special on VH1, a special on, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, uh, and this, this little ebook is selling, the ebook is the same book with the new afterward form, but it's selling well. Um, so I'm just, uh, there is some kind of an interest that, that maybe um, is underground, like you say, but there are some people out there still have it, so. Yeah, I, I, I know um, from what I have read that um, people ravenously read every word that you wrote. Um, they were very interested in your reflections on this latest um, ebook of yeah. David's life um, because they wanted to hear from someone with some authority. And I think you're it. <laughs> if if I, I may, if I, I may say so. Thank you. I'm, I, I I wanted to get that out, and even I, I know my my uh, my publisher was or my editor was like uh, looking at the article and saying, "Who's going to want to read something this long on him?" You know, and I'm like, "There's some people out there. You know, might it may not be interesting to you, but there's some people who are going to read this." And, and yes, them. yeah. I mean, it's it's the same thing um, with. Um, me doing this podcast, um, yeah. and you know, and I'm, you know, sometimes I ask myself, why am I doing this? Um, because it's more work than people may realize. Um, but I'm doing it because I know that there are so many people out there that are interested, and they will listen to an hour and a half interview um, because they're that interested and they're that dedicated um yeah and so he, and, and he could he could uh deliver those goods he could get up whether it was broadway or las vegas or uh, on these concerts and he could hold the audience whether he was singing an old hit or whether he was singing something that they never heard before but it was a song from his father's generation yeah that happened to love. and i i uh some of those older songs he does, they're, they're wonderful. Uh, uh, he would do If I Didn't Care, which was written long before he was born. You know, um, uh, as time goes by, some of these things, uh, someday, someday it would be interesting to have somebody put together a proper, um, like box set or CD or something like that, that would have good recordings of them from TV shows as well as from, or live concert performances as well as, from the uh, you know studio recordings uh, of, of him through the years, nobody sees him that seriously. Just like you know, he'll never be in like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or anything. But he's but he deserves that. He deserves some kind of um, recognition. Kind of he he yeah. he deserves yeah. Yeah. to be yeah. remembered. Yeah. Um. So look, you you spent a lot of time with him over the years. And I sense that you you had a true affection for David. Yeah, and, and a compassion because I, I I know that he had he struggled with some of these things, and I know the hurts he felt. You know what I mean? So so that even if I'm saying something that somebody will say, like you shouldn't say something negative about him, you shouldn't say he had a you know struggled with drinking, but that's who he was too, and that's and I'm not saying that to knock him. I'm saying it with with the compassion, you know, that that was a, a, a you know, a, a struggle for him. I wish he could have overcome that, and, 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 uh, and uh, I wish he was out in Las Vegas right now, not, you know, 
anyway. Well, yeah, there, there's a lot of us that, that feel yeah. that way. Um, I, I mean, we, if, if, he, if he were here today and you had one last opportunity to tell him something, what would you say? Maybe he should just make himself happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Instead of worrying yeah. what everyone right. else thinks. Right, right. And maybe that's a lesson right. for us all. Yeah. <laughs> as, as he so said so well, um, too much wasted I'm, time. I, I'm glad he, he, when he and his brothers got to do that road trip late in their lives, and they, and they were... Grown men acting like kids, that's good. I'm glad he got to do that. I'm glad they got to get in the car and drive all those miles and, and go to Disney World and, and just be goofy kids again, you know. Uh, that was a great story. But, yeah, things they didn't get to do when they were, when they were kids. So, so I'm like, yeah, I'm glad he got to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. And I think he'd be proud... You know, you raise you raise a good son who, 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 who thinks highly of you. You know, the son's the, the son's got a life to live. Um, the son sounds a lot like his dad speaking. I mean, the speaking voice. Really? It's in the. It's in the. There's something about him that in those genes or something like that. Uh, I mean, do I, I mean, you think I, I, there's? I had the briefest, a briefest, briefest of conversations with. I mean, just minimal. But, but, but uh, speaking to him just briefly, it's eerie that, that on the phone he could say something and, and you would think for a minute you're talking to his father. Wow. Uh, but uh, uh, son's out in California, but if he was in New York um, performing someplace, I'd, I'd, I'd go see him in a heartbeat. Go see, see hear a little of that uh, Cassidy voice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I've seen a couple of clips of him on Facebook or YouTube where he he sang I Think I Love You um, and a, another one, I can't remember the name. Um, and he really did take after his father. Um, but but that, but that has to be a big burden to bear. But yeah, I was going to say, I can't blame him for wanting to find his own life, his own career, his own direction it may have nothing to do with show business in the long run you know and that's fine it's it's whatever gives you fulfillment and and and, and that um i i, I uh, well i i I, <laughs> I wish he knew um and, and some part of me thinks that he does uh, that that Bo does know that um so many of david's fans um really look to Bo and hope that he will honor his father in some way. I mean, I'm sure he does it in his own personal way, but I think they wish that he would do it in some public way um, because, boy, would we cheer him on. Um, it, he, uh, he does have talent, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, I think it's in the, those Cassidy genes um, there must be something in those jeans, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay. Chip yeah, yeah, Chip, yeah. Chip yeah, Defog. Yeah. Jack was great too. Jack was, Jack was. Uh, uh, so when when David would speak warmly of his dad's talent, I I, I was with him on that too because I I mean the dad was dad was quite a, quite a quite a quite a guy. There's one old clip. There was one time the father and son both appeared together on Merv Griffin and they got this thing, uh, 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 Danny Boy together. Yep. And I wish they'd done more together. I wish they had uh, you know. But, uh, you know, just thinking of that, the, the, the father and the son, the, the Irish father and son singing yeah. Danny Boy on the yeah. on the stage of Merv Griffin. I mean, it just make gives me chills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what a wonderful thing that they did that together. Right. Anyway, Chip, um, it, it has been an absolute pleasure Thank speaking you. with you. I, Thank you for for coming on. Um, the podcast. We covered the waterfront. We covered the waterfront. <laughs> um, and you know, on on behalf of all the fans, I try not to be their spokesperson, but um, I, I, I appreciate I, you giving me this chance to talk a little bit. I, I appreciate <laughs> it. I this. We we are all very very thankful to you for helping David tell his story and for documenting his life and for sharing. Um, so many memories with us that I'm sure are precious to you too. Yeah, yeah. Thanks again. Okay. Thanks, Chip. Stay well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't he just great? I, I had such a great time talking to Chip. And by the way, if you found him interesting, I really encourage you to check out his website. Um, it's www.chipdefa.com. That's spelled Chip, C-H-I-P, last name D-E-F-F-A-A dot com. Um, very interesting guy. He uh, does a lot of work in the theater world, producing plays, writing plays. He produces music. Um, he's produced a lot of albums. So I, I really do encourage you to check out his website and learn more about him. Um, and that does it for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on My Life with David Cassidy.